You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. We know the World Health Organization just to, to declared this a global health emergency. For Americans who are watching this, how serious is this? So things started to unfold. We were watching what was going on. We were watching the news. And uh, I, like you said, I'm, I'm an essential worker. I, I actually work at a power plant. The problem is that this is an evolving situation. Literally every day we learn a little bit more about it. I mean, we have the five individuals. I was obviously concerned about him getting sick. His stress level was through the roof, so that was concerning to me. And the fact that she had six kids at home and there was this huge unknown out there and everything had changed from the standpoint of what the normal routine was and and there was this big unknown. I remember telling her that if the virus and stuff got close, that I thought it was best that I stay away, that I go that I go to work, spend my time at work, but then I don't come home afterwards with the risk of contracting something and eventually bringing it home to her or the kids because the last thing you need is Jesse's sick and me sick. I'll read anything about how other couples and other parents are getting life done during the pandemic. That's why I couldn't turn away from a profile I read about Carl and Jesse Crawford in the New York Times. They talked about how Carl moved out of their house so he could work at a power plant as an essential worker, leaving Jesse behind to homeschool their six kids, all while working a full-time job. I didn't really stop working ever. So you would stand in the kitchen in front of your laptop, send messages, help teammates while you're teaching the kids how to spell the word cat. 
it's all about multitasking. If I didn't multitask, I wouldn't get anything done. But is it, is it worth it? Absolutely. 100% worth it. I'm Joe Piazza, and this is Committed. Jesse actually met on the bus to elementary school. It's adorable. It's so freaking adorable. Uh, Carl actually thought that I was my sister when he first met me because when we, my sister and I were little, we looked very much alike. But we were on the same bus route. It's a very rural town, so the bus routes are, are long. But they didn't really talk to each other until high school. Boys and girls never really talk on the school bus. I'll let Jesse lead, lead off with that one because she probably tells the story better than I do and then I won't get in trouble if I forget something. He forgets everything. <laughs> Let's be real. He doesn't know how old he is. So <laughs> we met back in 1999. He actually showed up with one of his, with a mutual friend of ours to the restaurant that I was working at. And we knew each other from elementary school, like, in passing, because we live in a town that is smaller than small, so everybody knows everybody. But we started, pretty much we started dating, like, right at that point. So we've been together since 1999, and we dated for four years before we got married. And now we've been married for 17 years. So who proposed to who? I proposed to Jesse. I, I, don't, I don't what year was it? 2002? Yeah, it was 2002. Yeah, Christmas of 2002 time frame. In front of his whole family. And it was funny because he had told me he's, his brother was getting ready to go to Iraq. And he's like, I've got a going away present for Randy, so I need you to help me give it to him. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, and he pulled me up front and apparently I'm oblivious to everything because everybody had an idea as to what was going on except for me. <laughs> so. Fast forward 17 years later, 17 years and six kids later. I'll let you do the math for how often another baby's coming around. I think we're married for four years before we had our oldest. She is almost 13. She'll be 13 in November. Then we have, it sounds, okay. So let me go back because right now we're going to sound absolutely insane, but we're in the middle of birthday season. So the boys have their birthdays first. So it's going to sound like we're, we've lost our minds, but Tessa is almost 13. Our son CJ is 11. So we have 12, 11. Our other daughter, Cadence, is seven. Our son, Cole, is six. Our other daughter is Holland. She'll be four on Christmas. And our youngest, Brinley, will be two in January. You're, it sounds a little bit crazy, but it works. Yeah, it, it, it's controlled <laughs> chaos at best and chaos on a normal day. So that's it, just kind of our life. Did you guys always want a big family? Yeah, we did. We're both the youngest of five. So going into it, we knew we wanted to have at least three. And then we decided, well, we'll do four. And after I had Cole, who was the fourth, I was, I was done. I was done, done, done. No, no more babies. He was extremely difficult as a baby and I was over it. And we ended up going to Disney when he was just over a year old. And I was looking at all the babies and I was like, oh, maybe we'll have one more. But it's probably just we're at Disney World. I'm seeing all the babies. It's it's fine. And then I decided that I would like to try for one more. And Carl agreed to it. And then Brinley is our bonus baby. 
it's really just teamwork and then a lot of dedication from Jesse. And really after having three kids, it was like, okay, what's one more? You get to a certain level of, of busyness and, and chaos. And then another one is, is just a little bit more. So there's that, you know, transition point where things change. And then after that, it's another kid and it's just a little bit more crazy. I work full-time job, a lot of hours, and Jesse kind of keeps things held together on the home front and, and manages that aspect of things. And it just works and you, and you figure it out and help each other out and support each other and make things work. It's busy, it's stressful. You know, a lot of times we're, we'll say, what did we do before we had kids? Did we like talk to each other or like we slept look at each more. other or, or <laughs> we slept? That becomes what consumes your life and what your main priority is. So you so you make it work and, and find a way to and keep things together. And, and Jesse, tell me what it was like for you. I like to say I'm, I'm OCD. I am strict. I have a schedule. We stick to it. You know, lather, rinse, repeat. It's another day. I feel like for me, a schedule is a huge part in keeping some sort of sanity within our house. The last three years, I actually, I work from home. So I actually work on top of raising the kids. Pre-pandemic, like Carl said, all, something is always going on, whether it's dance class, whether we've got band concerts, chorus concerts. We've actually, obviously right now, we're not dealing with all of that. So there's a lot less that we're running ragged to. But, you know, with me working my job and and taking care of all of the kids, I'm, I'm working from the moment I get up until the moment I go to bed. And Carl does too. He, he works long hours and... When he comes home, he's getting the race cars ready for the next race, or he's doing something outside that needs to be done. We both work extremely hard, and I think that's why ultimately hard work works, right? So we're both very dedicated to everything that we do. If we say we're going to do something, we commit to it and we follow through with it, and we teach the kids the same type of thing. Like our oldest, she's doing school, but she's like, I'll go upstairs and watch the little ones. So the kids help. And I think that that helps us as well. It's a team effort all around, really. Jessie ran a well-oiled machine. She got it done. And then Jessie and Carl started hearing news about a new virus. Time for a quick break. Be right back. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Developing right now, new information tonight on the novel coronavirus cases spreading across our area, the United States, and across the globe. Good evening, everyone. I'm Joe Torres. You, of course, worry. You know, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? And how's it going to impact me? And then ultimately, with this thing going on, how do I protect my family, right? My immediate family and my extended family. 
So we kind of watched things unfold. And this was even back in the January timeframe, because I'm, I'm the type of person that worries about everything. And I'm also the type of person that tries to control everything that's, that's in my ability of control. I will do my best to control it and manage it. So, and then I'm also a germaphobe, which just makes this worldwide pandemic become like my worst nightmare come true. So things started to unfold. We were watching what was going on. We were watching the news. And like you said, I'm, I'm an essential worker. I, I actually work at a power plant and we were in a, a pretty busy time frame for the plant. And I guess is it when it hit New York, because we, we live in central New York, which is up on Lake Ontario, pretty rural area. But, you know, the pandemic really hit New York first in a big way. And when things started to close down, I was at work and I was working. And what you were told, don't be around people, don't go out. This is dangerous. When you looked at the numbers, when you looked at the statistics and you looked at everything that was out there, it was obviously uh, very concerning. We went into the lockdown thing. We weren't going out. The kids were out of school. They were at home at that point. We we weren't seeing friends. We weren't seeing family. And and I remember having the discussion with, with Jesse saying, the only thing that we can do at this point to protect ourselves, protect our close ones, is keep it away from us. Don't get exposed to it. But by the nature of my work, there was a potential that every day that I was going to be exposed to it, you know, with the unknowns. I, I remember telling her that if the virus and stuff got close, that I thought it was best that I stay away, that I go that I go to work, spend my time at work, but then I don't come home afterwards with the risk of contracting something and eventually bringing it home to her or the kids because the last thing you need is Jesse sick and me sick. So Carl decided to just take himself out of the equation entirely. I got up and, and I told Jesse, I'm like, look, until we figure this out, until we understand what's going on, until we understand what the risk is, I'm going to go stay at my parents' house. Uh, they were in Florida at the time. I'm going to go stay at my parents' house on the off hours until we understand what's going on. So that's that's what I did. All of a sudden, Jesse was home alone with six kids. She was home alone and running school from kindergarten through seventh grade. Oh, also, she was working a full-time job, like a lot of moms out there. A lot of us, although I don't have six kids. I've got two. Yeah, I was working. It was actually our busiest season ever. (laughs) (laughs) As far as workload for me, it wasn't any different. Because when he works nights, he literally would leave at 4, 4.30 in the evening, work all night, come home at 7, and go to sleep until I would wake him up at 3.30 to get up, eat breakfast, and get a shower and go back into work. So... The only thing I didn't have to do was wake him up, which, let me tell you, is not an easy job in and of <laughs> itself. So there was the extra added work of making sure the kids did their work and stuff like that. But Cadence and Cole, they would do their daily work and be done in 20 minutes. And Okay, go play. And, and Tessa and CJ were very, at 7th and 5th grade, pretty pretty independent. So it was like, okay, did you get this done, this done, this done? Yep, good, good, good. Okay, we're good, done for the day normal weekend mode, but it's every single day of the week now. So it wasn't terribly different. It was more just me missing him, even seeing him for an hour a day. So that was, that was different. And it was more, I was obviously concerned about him getting sick and he was, his stress level was through the roof. So that was concerning to me. You know, we would sometimes FaceTime when he was on his way to work. Carl, and rightfully so Carl, does not think that Jesse gives herself enough credit. 
And the fact that, you know, she had six kids at home and there was this huge unknown out there and everything, everything had changed from the standpoint of what the normal routine was. And, and there was this big unknown. We, we weren't seeing our friends that we would normally see. So you, you, you talk about the village, the village was all on lockdown. As far as the, the stress level and the unknowns and the challenges, that was different. Explaining to the kids why we can't go over to our best friend's house, why their friends can't come over here, uh, why they're not going to school, that all of that was, was definitely a lot different. But, you know, as we said, you're, you're presented a situation and you figure out the best way to navigate through it. And that's what you got to do. I have a lot of questions for any mother who can handle more than two children. But one big one was about dinner time. I choose not to fight that battle. <laughs> so I will probably sound like a bad mom. I don't eat with my children. I love them. I love them dearly. But with all the work that I do, I enjoy sitting down and eating a meal in peace. So I actually will cook them whatever they want. No one in my house eats the same thing. I have one child who only eats french fries. I'm a short order cook, so I'll be like, who wants what today? Or we'll do yogurt and cheese sticks and applesauce and dino nuggies. Eat what you want. Occasionally, I will make something where we all sit down together. But I mean, with Carl's hours, he's usually not here when the kids eat anyways. So I do who wants what. But occasionally, I'll be like, OK, I don't really make you guys try a whole lot of things. So I need you to try at least a couple of bites. That's really all I'm asking. I don't ask it very often. Can you please just do it? And they will begrudgingly do it. They will, they'll do it. But, you know, that, that's a battle that I just choose not to fight. <laughs> if you ever need mom advice, reach out to Jesse, because there's probably not an experience, an illness, a question that she, had, that she hasn't navigated over the past over the past 12 years. Carl likes to say when he's home on his days off, these guys are so loud and they're so insane. And I'm like, so you remember this feeling right now? So when you come home and I have the look on my face that you have on your face right now, just remember that because <laughs> like I've been at this all day and then you tell me that the kids are fine and just to chill out and relax and my head explodes on you. But it's it's a figure of speech, but we, we've always been best friends. We've always been able to compliment each other nicely. So think about how it would be with your best friend. It doesn't matter how long you go apart from being with each other. It's like you pick right back up where you left off. Time for a quick break. Be right back. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every parent I know is losing their minds over homeschooling. Even the ones who don't admit it, but I know they are. I can see it in their eyes on our Zoom calls as they chug a pint glass of wine. But Jesse... She doesn't seem to be losing it. She seems to have this homeschooling thing down pat. And the fact that she does it with so many kids is both daunting and also reassuring. I, it's funny. My 
My Instagram handle is supermama6, and I kind of made that when I was pregnant with Brinley kind of as a joke, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of taken a life of its own. Before I had Tessa, I actually worked at our local school district. I was a one-on-one -on -one aide. I worked in many different grade levels. I worked anywhere between kindergarten, first, third, fourth, fifth, ninth grade, 10th grade. And being a one-on-one -on -one aide with different students, you literally just channeling that inner aid, one-on-one -on -one aid and say, okay, here's your spelling words, let's practice them. Here's your math. And the kids really enjoy school. Cole is probably the one that enjoys it the least but it was just like, okay, we're gonna do two math pages and we're gonna do two spelling pages or two English pages. And then once you get through those, you're done. And it's, we are of the mindset. Like I said before, hard work works. You get up and you do your work and then you can go on with your day and you can play when you're done. But it's you get up and you do your work and you get it done and then you can have the rest of the day to goof off. So I had the packets and it's, hey, we're gonna sit here. We're gonna cut out these letters. There's days where Cole would be like, refuse to write his name. Okay, you can go sit on your bed until you're ready to try again. Work with Cadence, and then when Cadence was done, I'd bring him back down. Are you ready to write an O? I don't know how to do it. Okay, well, I'll show you how to do it again. You get through it. You have good days, you have bad days, you have days where you laugh, you have days where you cry. And as far as the school stuff goes, you know, Tessa and CJ, like I said, were very good. I would look through their things and correct what needed to be corrected and, and help them when they needed help. It was more, you know, especially with CJ being in fifth grade, his math, he struggled a little bit with it. But I was just like, you got to give yourself a little grace because this is something that you're not used to doing. You're essentially trying to teach yourself. You don't know how to teach yourself. You're only 10. I'm happy to help you. So you, you help them when they need help and you let them do it when they can do it. And as far as work goes, Carl and I are both workaholics. I would wake up in the morning and answer messages. I, I have a team of almost 500 people that I, I lead every single day. And during the pandemic, things were completely exploding and we had so much going on. I didn't really stop working ever. So you would stand in the kitchen in front of your laptop, send messages, help teammates while you're teaching the kids how to spell the word cat. It's all about multitasking. If I didn't multitask, I wouldn't get anything done. But is it, is it worth it? Absolutely, 100% worth it. Have you discovered anything new about each other or how you work together? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I wouldn't say, for me, I wouldn't say there was a breakthrough, but it just reaffirms everything. And, and it's something as simple. And the, the situation that we're in and the difficulties that we've gone through, that's our world. There's another world out there that's had a completely different experience and that's had a, a completely different perspective and, and more challenges. So you can't trivialize things because as impacting as all, all of this has been for us, there's others where it's been way worse and it's been way more challenging. People have lost loved ones. They've, they've lost their job. They've lost a career. They've had deaths in their family. I can't even imagine being in that situation. Of course, that's the world we're all still living in, but I think it's just reaffirmed everything. Back in March timeframe, something as simple as getting a haircut 
Like I remember back in my younger days when I worked a lot and I wouldn't get a haircut. My hair gets long and it starts getting curly and it drives me nuts. And that was something that I ended up focusing on that I can't go get a haircut and it's driving me crazy. It irritates me, it bothers me, it drives me nuts and, it, and it's a frustration. And Jesse learned how to cut hair. She gave me probably the best haircut that I've, that I've ever had in my life the first time she cut my hair. And it's why we go to the to the barber shop or why do we go to the, the hair salon? Because you can do it. So I think it just reaffirmed the the commitment and the adaptability and the ability to learn and, and take on whatever the challenge is, no matter how big or no matter how small, we'll figure it out. We'll get through it and make the best of it and find whatever the silver lining is and focus on that rather than focus on the hard things or the things that suck or the things that, that aren't fair or the things that don't seem right. Focus on what you have control of and control it and, and make the best of it. That's the thing is we always try to, with all the bad going on in, in the world at that point in time, it was very easy to focus on the negative. So do you focus on the negative or do you focus on the positive? We were blessed that Carl had the ability to go somewhere else. We were blessed that we had all the kids home and safe. We were blessed that I could use Instacart and have my groceries delivered and didn't have to have Carl go get groceries for me. We were blessed that we're able to stay home and that Carl still had a job and that I was able to work from home and, and juggle all the things. You could look at the negatives or you can look at the positives and the blessings. And if you focus on the good and you focus on the positives, you're just going to be so much happier. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with special thanks to Jesse and Carl Crawford. It was produced, edited, and mixed by Ramsey Yunt. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Kling. Theme song by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's jo at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.